0: Good morning and welcome again. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Craig. I'm the senior pastor and it is our privilege to have you with us this morning. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 in just a minute. Isaiah chapter 40, if you want to go ahead and be turning there. Um, I would just remind you this evening, uh, Luke and Patty Talbert will be sharing with us um, and with all who would... would, 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 If I stutter like this all morning, it's going to be a long sermon... try again they're going to be sharing with all of us uh, maybe y'all make me nervous today they're going to be sharing with all of us about what it is that God is using them to do how God's working through them in Latvia and maybe just specifically just about how they're trying to be obedient there in in Latvia with the ministry and the mission that God has called them to so I'd encourage you to be here at six o'clock tonight for that Um, We've already had to postpone this once because of COVID. Um, And and I would just ask you to be relatively flexible with us in the next few weeks as we try to make sure we get all the things in and all the things done. We we may end up having to flip around a couple other Sunday night things um, just because we're trying to make sure that that we're we're trying to do the right thing. So if y'all be patient with us as we try our best to make sure that we minister well and that we love everybody well um, and that we keep fighting off um, all the things that come our way. All right. Six o'clock tonight, be here. We'd love for you to be here. That will not be live streamed, by the way. So um, just, just know that. We, we can't really do that because... If they, uh, you know, just we just can't, so um, we, we encourage you to be here. All right, Isaiah chapter 40. If you're a guest with us this morning, I, I don't know what Adam said. I, I hope you have felt welcome as you came in. I would ask you, please tear off one of those little cards on your bullets, and If you open it up, there's a little thing where you can fill out your information and drop it in the offering plate at the end of service. We'd really appreciate that. I'd like to drop you a letter in the mail this week, and just thank you for being with us. All right, Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to begin reading in verse 25. Stand with me in honor of God's word. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that this word that is alive, Lord God, would affect and impact us. Father, cause us to slow down and to wait upon you. And Father God, calls us, Lord, to not doubt. Reassure us. That you are exactly who you claim to be. That your promises never fail and that you are enough. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you. This morning, uh, title of the sermon, Pump Your Brakes. Because sometimes we just need to pump our brakes and slow down and wait to see what it is that the Lord would have for us. Have you, have you heard? Have you heard? You know, sometimes we find ourselves not in a situation where we haven't heard or we haven't been told, but somebody has to remind us of what's actually true. Somebody has to remind us of what's going on. Have you ever felt like God just didn't hear you? Maybe even that God just didn't care? Isaiah was writing to people who certainly could have felt that way. The people to whom Isaiah was writing right here were captive in Babylon. They, had, they who trusted and feared the Lord had been taken captive by a pagan nation. They had been removed from their homeland. They believed themselves to be God's people, and yet here they were, overtaken by a people who not only did not fear the Lord, but who had despised the Lord. In the midst of these hard days, God sends a word of comfort through Isaiah. If, there, if you have your Bible there, turn, turn back just to the very beginning of Isaiah chapter forty. Hear these words of comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. God says to his people, it's going to be okay. The worst is behind us. You-, you brought this on yourself. You messed up. But just know that, that-, that around the bend there are better days coming. Comfort, comfort comfort my people they're in a bad spot but God hasn't forgotten them they are questioning they are scared they are tired but God has some words of comfort when one of my kids was small I got a, a phone call from the daycare well the, the preschool I better say it the right way I'll get in trouble um, and uh, I, I don't really I don't remember why I got the call and Angela didn't but I got a call that one of my kids was 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 having some issues and I walked in and uh and he was just in absolute disaster everything was falling apart and when I walked in the eyes lit up big as saucers there was no fear then that was relief my daddy's here my daddy is here and I walked in and I reached over and I grabbed and and you ever had that when you pick your kid up and they just bury their face right there I'll never forget there was another adult in the room and and this adult tried to speak and tried to explain. And I was so rude and I didn't mean to be, but my whole focus in that moment was on my child. And this woman kept talking and I finally did this, y'all. This was rude, I'm sorry, your pastor failed here. I said, shh, I'm listening to my child right now. She gave me kind of a confused look. I turned my back and I tended to what needed to be tended to. I don't even remember if there was a discipline issue. I have no idea. What I remember is a scared kid who wanted his dad. I remember that. The Bible teaches us right here that Israel is afraid and God is this caring father who meets them in the point of their need and says it's going to be okay. I'm sure that all of you know a little bit Of something about being scared, uncomfortable, or tired. Don't we? Maybe you're not there today. Hey, and if you're not, then I'm I'm so thankful that you're not. But you might be there tomorrow. Or you might be there next week. Many of you don't know, um, or or maybe aren't there, but you know what it's like. Can I tell you, though, whether you're there today, or you were there last week, or maybe you'll be there tomorrow. Can I tell you that regardless of it, God is faithful God does not leave. God's promises never fail. He is who He claims to be, and that will never, ever, ever change. That's something we should, amen. I don't know who said that, but that is right. We need to cling to those truths when the world gets hard. So I ask you this morning have you heard? Have you heard? That this God, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he who calls out the starry host, this God never, ever changes. And it's in the midst of this that Isaiah challenges the people to whom he's writing when he says to them, have you not heard? Have you not heard? They had heard, but they needed to be reminded. How many of you just need to be reminded that God loves you anyway? How many of you need to be reminded sometimes that God's word is always true? How many of you sometimes just need that regular reminder that God never leaves, He never forsakes, and He never, ever changes? It seems as though the people of Israel, the children of Israel that have been taken into captive, it seems as though they began to say, maybe God has just turned His back on us. Maybe God doesn't care. Or maybe the truth is, He's way up there somewhere, and what's going on in my life just isn't big enough for Him to worry about. And Isaiah talks about how big and mighty this God is. But then Isaiah says, have you heard? It kind of reminds us of Job, doesn't it? I'd heard with my ears, but now I've seen. Job encounters the Lord, and he goes, I'd kind of heard something. He goes, but now I really know what's going on. There's three things I want us to cling to this morning from Isaiah chapter 40. First thing this morning, I want you to know that God's transcendence does not nullify His imminence. God's transcendence does not nullify His imminence. Now, I know those are big words, and I don't always put those big words in our, in our little points, but I want you to cling to that truth. When we speak of God's transcendence, we're talking about His glory, His majesty, His holiness, His bigness. So if we really wanted to take that down to something I could have understood way back in the day, I'd say, God's bigness... God's otherness, God's sort of out thereness is not nullified by God's next doorness. That's what eminence means, that God is right here with us. He is among us, He is present right here. The Bible teaches us in John chapter 1 that what? The Word took on flesh and tabernacled, lived, dwelt among us. When Jesus came to earth, and uh, or when God came to earth in in Christ Jesus, and when He sent His Holy Spirit to live among us, He didn't cease to be God. He is still big, holy God, but He's also God that is right here among us. God's transcendence doesn't nullify His immanence. Israel had fallen into the trap that continues to exist today. They begun to believe that God was out there somewhere as this Creator God who was sort of big and out there, but He just wasn't that concerned with what went on in the everyday affairs of life. Israel says, you know what, we know that God exists, we know that he is real, but apparently he just doesn't care about us. And Isaiah says, have you heard? Have you not heard? Yes, he is this God, the everlasting God, the Lord. But he says what? He's right here with you. His imminence is still real. My way, they say, was hidden from the Lord. He says, have you not heard? The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He is right there. He is among us. Folks, there are two basic reasons why people deny God's eminence. Well, I'm going to say there's two plus and, and, and plus one. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll say three, but you know we're going to do that newfangled new math where two plus two equals three. The first thing we see is that We, we're often ready and willing to honor God for His greatness and His transcendence. And we can get on board with the idea of a God who's out there doing great and wonderful things. But the idea that this God is also near can be a little bit unnerving, can it? It's a little awkward to think that there is this God who actually is present beside me among us and around us. You know, some of our own founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, uh, John Adams, for instance... Uh, They were were deists. This was an an old religious idea. And basically the idea of deists was this, that God was big and transcendent, but this idea that God would work miracles or be involved in the everyday affairs of life was just not true. That's why Thomas Jefferson famously cut, cut out half the New Testament, right? Anything that Jesus performed that was miraculous or anything else couldn't be true. Jefferson believed there had to be a God who created it all, but there couldn't be a God who actually came and lived among us. And yet that's what the Bible teaches that God is out there and he's right here all at the same time. In, in their minds, God was simply too great for anything as mundane as the incarnation. Can I tell you that God is interested in the mundaneness of your life? The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you guys, he knows the number of hairs on your back. God knows those things and it matters to him. He cares. He cares. He knows your waist size and your shoe size and he knows how many fillings you have in your mouth. He knows all of those things. Folks, he's big enough to hear us when we come and we plead for the big things of life. But you know, he's near enough to us and cares enough to love us and live with us when we're pleading with him for the more mundane things of life. Do you know that God is concerned with that cancer diagnosis, but he's also concerned kids that school's starting on Thursday. That he's walking with you in those moments. God is in the ICU room, and God is also in the classroom and in the bedroom and all the other rooms. God is with us. Another thing that causes people to deny God's imminence, though, is a misplaced understanding of his holiness and his love toward us as sinners. Right? It's not just that we believe that God's not interested in the mundane, but we begin to believe that, well, if if he knew who I was, he wouldn't actually want to be with me. Here's the incredible thing. The more God knows about you, the more he loves you. Now, i got to be careful because when I say that, it sounds like I'm suggesting he doesn't already know it, okay? I'm just, I just want you to understand, like, he knows everything, and he still loves you more than you could imagine. Have, have you ever had somebody that you love come to you and confess some really, really ugly things in their life? They come and they shared with you their struggles, their pains, their hurts. The more they shared with you did, you, did you find and feel that the more they shared, the more your heart went out to them? the more your heart broke for them. You ever known your children to struggle and to suffer and when they finally came in and said, you know, this is a hard thing for me, I'm struggling in this area. And the more they talked, the more your love for them grew. The more you wanted to reach your arms around and take them up and care for them. Folks, this is why we have such a heart to help the hurting and the weak around us. Our heart goes out and we've been created in God's image. If we have that heart, how much more our Heavenly Father for us. Yes, he is the great God who's created all things, but he is also a God who's concerned with the small things in your life. Maybe you think that, or, uh, that, that, that God, because he is all out there, can't care. Watch what Paul says in Acts 17, 27. He says that God is actually not far from each one of us. He's right here among us. Perhaps Israel understood God as creator, but Isaiah says, have you not heard? You think your ways are hidden from him? Maybe because you don't want him to see you. You ever been in that place? This is the two plus one. Sometimes we don't acknowledge God's eminence because the truth of the matter is we don't want God to know what's going on in our lives. Sometimes I'm a lot more comfortable worshiping a God who's out there than the God who follows me around everywhere I go and hears everything I say. I'm a lot more comfortable following the God who's out there than the God who would know the search history on my phone. I'm not comfortable following a God who is out there than one who would actually be near me. Folks, do you know that God sees you and He hears you? He's there and you can't hide. Now here's the good thing. You can't hide and He loves you anyway. But folks, here's the bad thing. Sometimes we create these ideas in our minds that if I just pretend like God isn't who He claims to be, then God can't see what He wants to see. Folks, he is who he is, regardless of whether or not you want him to be. God's transcendence and his eminence go together, and his transcendence does not nullify his eminence. Some folks have this fear that if we begin to view God as holy, that somehow or other we will lose sight of God as loving. Can I tell you that when Isaiah experienced the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6, when he fully began to appreciate just how great and mighty and awesome and even terrifying the Lord was, he did not suddenly feel unloved by the Lord. Instead, Isaiah was enveloped with God's love. Because his transcendence does not nullify his eminence. Have you heard? God's bigness doesn't mess with his closeness. Have you heard? God is huge and holy and mighty and he loves you right where you are. Have you heard that he knows everything, owns everything, sees everything, and he still knows where you live and what you had for breakfast this morning? That's the kind of God that we have. If you haven't heard it, I hope that you pay attention to it today. But if you have heard it, I hope you'll be reminded. His bigness is not disqualified by his eminence, nor is his eminence disqualified by his transcendence. The second thing this morning I want us to see is that your feelings do not affect God's faithfulness. Your feelings do not affect God's faithfulness. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the, end of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. They said, maybe God's not listening. Maybe God doesn't pay attention. And Isaiah says, oh, so you're concerned that your feelings are going to affect God's faithfulness. That when you got messed up, when things went wrong, that somehow or other you believed that God had changed. Folks, are you tired? Are you weary? Do you know that he doesn't faint or grow weary? He's not tired. He's not weary. Get this. We never have to worry that when we go to the Lord in prayer, he's going to go, oh, again? It's Craig? He's not a tired parent weary of all of their questions. He's not a worn out teacher. He is the king of the universe. And watch, he's perfect and mighty and holy. And when we go to him in prayer, he's welcoming towards us because he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. How many times do I repeat that verse? I thought about that the other day. I'm not sure that we go through a month here when I don't mention that at least twice in a sermon. Because I think it's so important for our understanding of who Jesus is. He's not the God who says, get all your stuff together and come to me. He says, you're all messed up. You're perfect. You're just what I'm looking for. I take broke things and I make them right. Do you feel like God has forgotten you? This is where we start to get kind of real, isn't it? Because the reality is some of you kind of wandered in here and if you don't feel that way right now, you felt that way yesterday or you feel that way tomorrow, you begin to wonder that maybe God is not just paying attention to me. Craig, you stand up and you talk about God's love, but Craig, if you knew what I was going through, you, you, you might not feel the same way. Can I tell you that no matter what's going on in your life, God is there. His way, your way is not hidden from the Lord. That God who calls out the starry host that God who knows them by name, He knows your struggles, He knows your trials, and he's right there with you. He has not forgotten you. your fears are unfounded. He is the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. i got some really good news. Your feelings do not affect God's faithfulness. Adoption's an interesting thing. Those of many, many of you in our church have, have, have gone through that process in your own families. And you know that one of the hard things is that when when you work through that process sometimes our children who have been taught because of their experiences that everybody in the world is going to let them down they have a hard time really accepting this idea of an unconditional love that I love you just as you are and I'll always love you just as you are and there's there's this process of regularly and repeatedly saying things like this is daddy going to ever stop loving you will I ever go away and the answer is no 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 We need to say that regularly to our children. It's not just our adopted children, is it? Because our kids, they they hear us get frustrated and angry, and in their little brains, they can get it all twisted around. They go, "Well, well, Daddy just doesn't care anymore. We need to turn around and look and say, Daddy is frustrated. Daddy is tired. Daddy loves you, and that won't ever, ever, ever change. Folks, God loves you, and that won't ever, ever, ever change. You can't do anything to stop Him from loving you because you didn't do anything to start Him loving you. If you can't earn His love, you can't unearn His love. Does God care that things are bad for you? Yes, He does. But then He gives promises. He says, to the weary, I give rest. To the weak, I give strength. To the powerless, I give power when you're about to give out and give in, guess what? He's got you. He arms you up. In the midst of our hard days, our emotions will lie to us. In the midst of our hard days, the darkness will lie to us. In the midst of those dark nights of the soul, when it feels as though our prayers aren't making it past the ceiling, I want you to know that your feelings are not facts. And we've got to combat our feelings with the truths of God's Word. No matter how you feel, God is faithful. So you say, I don't know if God will go on loving me. Well, he says, I will never stop. So what's the answer? He won't ever stop. Not too long ago, I had a, a, a new believer reached out to me. and said, I, I got saved, but I, 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 I know I got saved, but I don't feel like a Christian. Should I call myself a Christian yet? I said, you better. Because Jesus does. He said, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the first promise. So I go, did you call on the name of the Lord? Yes, and you got saved. The second promise is, those whom the Father has given me are mine indeed, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. So should you call yourself a Christian? If you got saved, if you called on the name of the Lord, then you got saved. And if you got saved, then the promise of God's word is he will never let you go. He will never let you down. He will never walk away. So the question is, should I call myself a Christian? Well, the question is, is really not, doesn't matter what you call yourself. The question is, what does he call you? You understand? Oh, our feelings will tell us all sorts of things, but our feelings don't always tell us what God says about us. And folks, what God says about you matters more than anything else on planet Earth. Your feelings don't affect God's faithfulness. And third, this morning, the wind is worth the wait. To whom are these promises directed? Watch. Verse 31, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. To whom are these promises made? To those who wait upon the Lord. Folks, you're never strong enough for all of it. But when we wait, there is hope. We, we had baptism this morning. My boys always help me with baptism. Now, we have others that help, but my boys help, and I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I, those of you that don't know, I wear waders when I baptize, so I, it's a lot easier. But uh, I, I jump out of the waders, and I've got to find my shoes and get everything dry and hung up. And so uh, the, the boys are always up there. are usually up there helping and this morning big strong dad is y'all didn't see this fortunately but things almost got really bad um because i I walk up their steps right here so if you can imagine if you've never been in our baptistry if you've never been in our baptistry it might be because you've never been baptized we'll be baptizing again in the next few weeks and we'd love to baptize you and hopefully what almost happened this morning is out of the system. We never have to worry about this again. I hit a guy's head on the steps one time when I baptized him. He's here this morning. He's raising his hand. But, um, uh, but this morning, I, I, you know, I, I'm in charge of the baptistry. I got everything under control. The boys know what to do. Everything's fine. I climb up the top step. Sloan's waiting on me um, to do what Sloan does, which is make sure all the water gets mopped up. He's already moved my shoes where my shoes are supposed to be. And I get to the top step, and y'all, I stumbled. And I almost fell backwards into the baptistry. I mean, it was really close. There are no handrails up there, it's just me and the walls. And I'm just, oh, I'm grabbing everything. And y'all, Sloan, it's like, ha 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 ha. I'm glad Wyatt didn't see it, he might have pushed me. Miss Zinda's over here. Mary's, Mary, Mary's stand, still standing right there. She's about to fall over into the baptistry because they saw it. Can you all imagine how bad that would have been if my big self had hit it, you know? All the water. I don't know who's playing drums this morning. But, Sarah, you'd have been drowned, right? It just whoosh. Man, we can get so confident in our own strength. Man, I've never thought anything about falling back into the baptistry. There's no reason. Well, we can mess up. Our strength will fail us. What happens when our strength fails? What happens when our strength goes on failing? What happens when we're just not strong enough? What happens when it seems like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and he's not there? Folks, can I tell you that the win is worth the wait even when you are weak. These are the promises that God gives to us. He will renew your strength even when it's not there. But you might have to wait. You might have to wait. You might fall into the baptistry first. Things might get a little awkward. Football season is upon us. I went and watched part of a practice uh, late, late Friday night. And, uh, but it's here, high school. We won't be long until we're all watching high school football and college football. Um, and, and as we do, one of the hardest things to coach and to teach a ball carrier is to run behind their blockers. And if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about... Um, then let me explain if you like soccer more than football then we're glad you're here we're gonna sanctify you um, <laughs> but what, what that means is that you know you got a running back or a receiver and, and then you've got the real the real heroes on the field who are the offensive linemen and uh, those are the big guys that are up front and so their job is to make sure that the skinny people don't get killed and but uh, the, the, the other job they have is, 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 is usually to open up a running lane for a running back or for a receiver now And and the hardest thing to coach, or one of the hardest things, is to coach for that ball carrier to wait for that big old lineman to get out in front of him. You can understand why that's the case, right? So a a running back runs a 4-5-40, and a a lineman runs like a 6-flat-40. That running back is itching to get there, and that lineman's trying his best to get there. Now, if that running back is patient, then he's got this big 300-pound guy running out in front of him, and and he's running behind a bus, and he's just waiting for an opportunity to make a cut and make a play. But when they get impatient, what happens is they go, I'm not waiting on big boy to get here. I'm gone. And they end up getting tackled for loss because they're impatient. They've got to wait on help to arrive. Folks, the promise of victory is for those who wait for the Lord. Those who wait for the Lord. The picture for believers should look more like water skiing than it does like anything else that the Lord's out running ahead of us and we're just holding on for dear life while he is leading, guiding, directing. The Lord's doing all these things if we would just wait upon the Lord. Folks, the waiting is often so hard. Because I want to know now. I want to do it now. I want relief now. And for reasons that are usually well beyond our understanding, God says, wait. He says, hold on. He says, pump your brakes. I'm still here. These are the words of promise that the Israelites needed to hear. They'd been taken away into exile. They'd been defeated in battle. They'd been taken far from their homeland. And God says, comfort, comfort, oh, my people. I have not moved. I have not changed. Look up to the heavens. Do you see the stars? I am still the God who put those in place. I will continue to be the God who put those into place. Have you not heard? I am He. And if you will wait, I will carry you through this. Watch what he says. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no mighty increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. faint. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Isaiah says, look, I know a lot of you think that you got it under control, but even those of you that think you've got it under control, at some point you're going to run out. Wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Well, so what's going on in your life today that's hard? Will you wait for the Lord today? Will you trust Him? Will you hold on? You say, Craig, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I want to. Can I promise you this? The win is worth the wait. The win is worth the wait. Sometimes it's in that waiting. Last, Last Sunday I said that God teaches us in the storms of our life and not the sunny days. Sometimes we're waiting in the midst of those storms. In the midst of those storms, God is teaching us. He's shaping us. He's molding us. And we're going to find out that when the storm lifts, when, it's, when the, when, when the sky's clear, when God brings the victory, sometimes we're going to look back and say, I'm glad not only that God has delivered me, I'm glad for what he taught me in the midst of the struggle. Will you wait for the Lord? Why can you wait? Because God is faithful and he is always on time. Why can you wait? Because God is faithful and he is always on time. God does not change. His commitment remains the same. His commitment remains the same. Have you heard? Do you know? Do you know that facts trump your feelings? Do you know that? Do you know that God is faithful when you are faithless? slowing down is hard and slowing down is hard why because we like to be in control don't we how many of you like to ride in the passenger seat look at y'all y'all are good people how many of y'all don't want somebody else driving when things get a little bit dicey go ahead put your hands up y'all are all prideful and i'm with you right i'm with you i've told y'all the story those of you that have been here long enough you've heard me tell the story 2010 the world was falling apart. It was a rough time, um, but I, I had to drive to Louisville, Kentucky with a friend of mine for a class. Uh, so it's December 2010. We're driving through the mountains of North Carolina up in Louisville. It snowed on us the whole way. We drove into an ice storm in Louisville. Uh, the the, 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 the fellow that I'm riding with lives in the mountains North Carolina. He's used to driving in the snow. This is what he does. But let me explain something to you. I did not want him in the driver's seat. It was his vehicle. I needed him to get out. I was not happy. I like to be in control. I like to be in charge. And look, I'm pretty confident that I'm the best guy to do the job. That was supposed to be funny. Um, unfortunately, some of y'all know me too well. <laughs> but isn't that what our pride will do? Even, even when I'm not, we want to be in control. That's why we don't like to wait a lot of times. I want to take the wheel. No, God, let me show you how this should be done. God, let me fix this for you. And God's going, will you just wait, Craig? God, I don't have time to wait. God says, you got nothing but time. Lord, you don't understand. How many of you prayed that prayer? I know I have. You don't necessarily mean it when it falls out. It's one of those things that falls out of your mouth. You try to grab it, but it's too late. Your mouth has revealed your heart. It overrode your rear end, right? But it revealed your heart. It told the truth. Lord, I, I, I don't believe you understand. God, I, I, I don't believe you're actually capable. God, I, I need to show you how to fix this. And the Lord says, oh, really? Why don't you wait? Wait, yesterday I was in the truck with Sloan. Sloan's been on prednisone, so Sloan has been talking a lot. Wow. And he was talking about a video game that I won't let him have, and he was complaining because I won't let him have this video game. And um, I mean, he plays video games like an hour a week or something, but he needs this game, and his daddy won't get him. And he says, you don't understand, daddy. I said, Sloan, you need to hush, buddy. This, this is enough. Daddy, you don't understand about this game. Let me explain it to you. And he kept, I said, buddy, you need to hush. Daddy, you don't understand. You're too old. <laughs> I'd had enough. I said, son, how old do you think that game is? It's a new game. I said, no, son, it's not a new game. It's a new version of an old game. And it's been around longer than you've been alive and you don't know what you're talking about. His eyes got big. He looked up. He said, what do you mean? So I mean, your daddy knows everything, son. You need to sit back there and hush. I'm the smartest human alive, as far as you know right now. I need you to hush. But he's my child, so he still didn't hush. He kept right on talking. <laughs> but how often are we that way? God, let me explain it. God, if you just listen. I, and we're, and what it, God's so patient because he's not going, hush, hush. God, you don't understand. And he says, really? To whom then will you compare me? Since I don't understand, Craig. That I should be like him. Lift up your eyes, Craig, on high. And see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number. Calling them by name, by the greatness of his might, because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Craig, what don't I understand? Well, God, I mean, I'm sure you understand all that, but but God, you 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 look, but yeah, but uh, oh, yep, yeah, I I know what it is, God. You're big and strong and mighty, but you're so big, you can't even pay attention to what I'm doing down here. Have you not known? Have you not heard? I am. Remember, that's what Lord means. I am the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. I do not grow faint or weary. My understanding is unsearchable. What don't I know, Craig? Craig. But then watch, rather than God just striking us all down at that point, watch what he says. Let's let's add words and names. Craig, he gives power to the faint. Craig, he'll give you power. And Craig, when you have no might, he increases strength. Craig, you're 40, so you're super young, but you'll still grow faint and weary. And young men like you will be exhausted. He's not going to say that. He says, but Craig, if you will wait, isn't that something? God, you don't understand, and rather than going, who doesn't understand? He says, if you'll just wait. If you'll just wait. I'll peel back the layers just a little bit. Moses, if you'll just wait, I'll show you my glory. Elijah, if you'll just wait, I'll whisper into your ear. Disciples, if you'll just Wait. I'll walk to you on the sea, Peter, if you'll just wait. I'll call you to get out of the boat. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you afraid? Do you lack faith today? Wait on Him. Watch this. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe your whole life has been lived in sin and rebellion. Maybe you've lived your whole life separated from God's love. Do you know that it's okay? There's still hope for you. You say, Craig, I'm I'm 40 years old. I've sinned and sinned and sinned. Can I tell you that if you'll just wait, there's still hope. Would you call upon the name of the Lord? He will save you. And look, the salvation will be worth the wait. Will you wait on him? I'm going to tell you a quick story and then we'll be done. But it's a Bible story. I shared this with our teenagers not too long ago. Now, you know the story of Jesus' crucifixion, and Peter denied Jesus three times. And in John chapter 21, we read that story, not of, of Peter's denial. read the story of, of, of Jesus appearing to the disciples on the beach. So they, 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 Jesus dies. He's been resurrected. They've seen him uh, a couple times up to, at this point. But if you'll remember there in John 21, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And he looks at the other disciples and says, why don't we go fishing? Now, you remember Jesus said, you're not going to be fishermen anymore. You're going to be fishers of men. Peter, though, has already denied the Lord three times, if you'll recall. And Peter's finished. He knows he's washed up. He knows he's let him down. He knows that he's got nothing left. And he says, you know what? I'm not a disciple of Jesus. I'm not a fisher of men. I'm a fisherman. I'm going fishing. Who's getting in the boat? And what What happens? handful of disciples jump in the boat with him. Jesus has already appeared. They know of the resurrection, but they're not living in light of the resurrection. Peter is still living in the darkness of his sin and despair. They get into the boat. The Bible says they fish all night. They catch absolutely nothing. Some dude walks out on the beach. And he yells, maybe you ought to put your net on the other side. You'll recall that this was exactly how Peter had encountered Jesus the very first time. So probably something begins to trigger in these guys' minds. They throw the net over and there's a huge catch of fish. And somebody says, well, that's the Lord. Look at Peter. Peter is probably Jesus' closest disciple. And yet Peter's living in such darkness because of his own sin and shame. He doesn't even recognize his Savior when he walks up on the beach that day. Somebody says, it's him. Peter says, oh, it's him. i got to get close. Throws his clothes off into the water. He goes, he swims up on the beach. He's standing there. Can't wait to see Jesus. When he gets there, when he gets there, Jesus throws a curveball to Peter. The Bible says that Jesus had built a charcoal fire, and he was cooking bread and fish for the disciples. John only uses the word charcoal twice in the entire book of John. It's only used three or four times in the whole Bible. The other time that John uses the word charcoal is when, the Bible, when, when John is telling us about Peter's denial. And he says that Peter is standing around a charcoal fire with all these people warming themselves. And this little girl comes up and she says, don't you know him? He goes, I don't know him. No, you surely know him. No, I really don't know him. No, you really know him. And Jesus, or excuse me, Peter cusses the girl and says, I don't know what you're talking about. He locks eyes with Jesus, boom, he's convicted he leaves. The last time Peter is around a charcoal fire, Peter has denied his Lord. And when he arrives, not only is Jesus far off and he can see him, Jesus is right there beside him and he's built this charcoal fire. If you know something about charcoal, it's got a unique smell, unique sound. Everything about it is different, right? It pops, it cracks, it smells different. It's not like a wood fire. I don't know if you know this, but your olfactory senses, your sense of smell, is one of your senses most closely tied with memory and emotion. That's why you can smell apple pie and you don't remember apple pie. You remember your grandma or whoever it was that baked it for you. Peter smells the charcoal. He hears the crackling. And he's reminded anew of his denial. Not only, though, this time in his denial, Peter has denied Jesus before he died. And then essentially Peter's denied the resurrection, hasn't he? Because Jesus has come back, he's revealed himself to Peter two times now. And Peter said, you know what, I'm not good enough, I'm not doing this, I'm going fishing. But the Bible recounts this story for us in vivid detail. That they ate. So Jesus allows Peter to stew in this for just a few minutes. And they go for a walk. Do you know that Jesus never brings up Peter's failure? Jesus never mentions the denial. Jesus says this, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you you know that I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And Peter at this point is going to be going, God, you know. who is this Peter we run all the way back he's the one that Jesus said you are the rock upon which my church will be built Jesus made that proclamation about Peter Peter walks on the water Peter sinks Peter gets up Peter denies Jesus three times after he cuts off a man's ear Peter's messing everything up and in the midst of all of that struggle all that failure Jesus reminds Peter of exactly who he is a failure He reminds Peter that he is uh, dishonorable. He reminds Peter that he has completely denied Jesus. And in the midst of all those reminders, what does Jesus tell Peter? Only one thing. You've got a job to do, Peter. What does Jesus tell Peter? Peter, you're still mine. What does Jesus say in those words? He said, I told you that you were going to build the church. And you are going to build the church. And the next thing we know, Peter preaches a sermon at Pentecost and 5,000 people get saved. Tell me this, do you think it was worth the wait for Peter? Do you think it was? Do you think that in the midst of his shame and his sin, it was worth waiting for Jesus to restore him? It was worth waiting for the Holy Spirit because in the end, Jesus fulfilled everything that he promised he would do. So I ask you this this morning, have you heard... Have you heard that God loves you anyway? Have you heard that? Have you heard that the win is worth the wait? Have you heard that you just need to stop fighting, stop struggling, stop striving? He is the Lord, His greatness is not nullified by His eminence. Your feelings don't affect his faithfulness. And folks, the win is worth the wait. So I ask you this morning, in closing, will you stop your striving, stop your struggles, stop your fighting? Will you stop arguing with the Lord and trust the Lord? Perhaps you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior and, and you're arguing with Jesus right now going, God, you can't save me. Will you trust him when he says that all who call the name of the Lord will be saved? Will you trust him? Perhaps you're here today and you're a child of God. You're Peter, but you've denied the Lord. You've denied the resurrection. You've denied the power of the resurrection. You've lived as though Jesus weren't real. You've gone back fishing when you should have been fishing for men. Can I tell you that Jesus loves you? Will you trust him? You're sitting there and you're going, but Craig, you don't understand. I don't have to. Will you trust Jesus? A lot of y'all are worried about whether or not I will understand what in the world you've done or what in the world you've been through. I'm so thankful to get to be the pastor here and to be your pastor. But it doesn't matter if I understand. Jesus knows and he loves you anyway. Will you take him at his word? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's his promise for you today. He's been waiting for you. Will you stop and wait for him? If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I would love to introduce you to Christ. This morning, when we stand and sing, would you come this morning so that we could help you to know what it looks like to become a follower of Jesus? If you're here today and you've wandered far from the Lord, would you come today? I'd love to pray with you and to remind you that just as Peter was faithful, Jesus was, or faithless, Jesus was faithful, and he's faithful to you. Would you come today and allow God to do what only God can do? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray for your love pray for your grace lord i pray that your word would be real and true among us with this in us and to us this morning father god move act and work here in jesus name amen stand with us this morning as we sing what alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin do you feel alone and dead today guess what jesus brings life let's sing together